Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to another episode of WA Expose, a podcast about local arts by local artists. As always, I'm your host, Aria Scarlett, with the privilege of recording on Wajak Nungabuja. Today's guest has been performing live comedy for almost a decade, featuring on over 30 festivals and touring throughout Australia, Asia and the UK. Based in Melbourne now, he regularly hosts and headlines shows across the country and is the creator behind the brand new solo multimedia comedy musical, Bun Runner, the Musical. He has a master's degree in neuroscience, but that doesn't come up at all. He used to be a soldier, and that comes up twice. I'm so excited to be talking to incredible comedian Jez Watts today. How are you, Jez? I'm great. Uh, Thanks for calling me incredible. I feel overwhelmed. (laughs) Well, it is pretty incredible that you're joining us from the eastern states today on a bit of a remote uh, cross thing, figured out all the technology and all that jazz. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we'll dive straight into the question. Well, it's supposed to be the only question I ask guests, but as uh, regular (laughs) listeners will know, uh, that's exactly not how this show works anymore. So for you, (laughs) why comedy? Uh, I mean, like, man, there are are days that I'm not sure why. Last, yeah, last night I did uh, four spots around Melbourne and three of them were like the worst gigs ever. And then one of them was incredible. Um, And... (laughs) That is just comedy all the time. I feel like, like I love, I love doing stand up so much. Mm. Um, but uh, like when it's great, I man, I really love it. And then <laughs> there's other times where I'm like, man, I should go back to being a neuroscientist when other people respected me. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. Hang on. So explain these four spots around Melbourne. Was it the same set at every single place? Uh, oh, I was. Similar, like yeah. The, I mean, the rooms are were quite sort of disparate and very different from each other, and so I didn't do exactly the same thing at every gig. Mm. But yeah, it's like I did, like uh, I did the uh, opening spot on one show, which is traditionalist, like that's like the worst spot on a lineup because yes. like the audience is not really loosened up or warmed up yet. So I did the first spot. The MC, who is a great comic, like she just really struggled in the open, but. Like, it wasn't her fault. It's just the, the space was cavernous. There weren't enough people in it. Mm. And it's like, for, for comedy, it's like everyone needs to sort of, you know, sort of be, it's like the worst thing for COVID. Everyone should be packed in really close together. There should be, like, really low ceilings. Everyone should be breathing <laughs> each other's virions and stuff, right? Yes, totally. But, it should um, stink. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. It should, it should be a super spreader event, like, to be good for comedy. <laughs> yeah. But, um... But yeah, so it was just it was a hard space, and she really struggled in the open. And literally, as I came out to like you know take the mic from her and stuff, she just whispered to me, "Hey, I'm sorry." Oh no! And like, went on, and then like went off that. It was just it was just a really difficult open. And so then yeah, I had just a, a hard set. Um, like I did a good 
job at it. Like I didn't like have a like mental breakdown on stage, which oh, can good. happen sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> good job. <laughs> when the crowd's like giving you enough, you're like, I'm really desperate for the validation. Please give it to me. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, then I went to the second spot, which I thought would be really bad, and, and that was awesome. I, I, you know, I did a bunch of new stuff. It all went great. The crowd was sick. Like every like, it was just a really really fun time. And I went, oh great. And then I sort of had in my head now, oh great. Now the next two spots are gonna go great. So, yeah, and then the next, the next thing is one of the worst gigs in Melbourne. Like the the bookers, like it's run by run by a couple of comedians, right? And it's been mm. this gig that's existed here for a long time. It went away for a little while during COVID, but it's back now. But it's like a late night gig where generally, like, no one at the venue know like knows it's on. So it's like ambush comedy. It's a free show. Mm. Um, it's in like sort of a nightclub where like young people come and. You know, in an, in historically, it's like you're interrupting them from like sleeping with strangers, and right. they're like annoyed. They're annoyed people are talking in the corner. You know, yeah, like, how dare you be so, funnier than them? Well, yeah, they're also just like well, even if you're funny, like we don't care. And so, uh, yeah, it is that thing where the people who took it over, like in the group chat for the gig, like they say, uh, it's, they say, "Hey, welcome to the best worst gig in Melbourne." You know, like they don't they have no illusions about what it is. Yeah, but it's that it's that thing about you know, sort of doing bad gigs can sometimes be as valuable as doing good ones mm. in comedy in, in, in terms of, like, different developing your sort of, I guess, strength of character. Yeah, all in one <laughs> night, though. <laughs> oh, my God. But I don't know. I just, uh, it's, yeah, something that I sort of thought when I was starting out, because, yeah, starting out in Perth, like, uh, people are really lucky. Uh, I mean, particularly in, in stand-up, like, the audience for comedy. Mm. In Perth, are, are like some some of the like warmest crowds, the loudest laughers, and actually they almost the easiest audience you can get in Australia. And so it is this thing where when I started for the first couple of years, like I was just basically I was just based in Perth, and um, this happens to a lot of Perth comedians mm. that they will go into state for the first time and then bomb the whole week of gigs. Because yeah. you're playing. Sometimes you're playing to just three people in a basement. Sometimes you're playing to ambush comedy, where like like people who were in the venue had no idea comedy was about to happen, and <laughs> yeah. that's not a good way. That's not a good way for a show to start. Honestly, no, surprise comedian. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man, there was a, there was a gig here that I wasn't at, but I've been told about where um, there were like four people sitting like in like a, a back booth in this bar, mm. and the show was gonna the show was gonna start in a different area of the bar, like the front of the bar. And so the showrunner came up to them, hey, guys, like, there's no one there for the show. So he came up to the four people in the booth, hey, guys, w- would you like to see a comedy show? Like, we're about to start a comedy show up here. And they said, no, we don't want to see it. And he went, okay. <laughs> and he went, okay. And then he walked back up to the comedians and he went, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take you down one by one to this back booth and I'm going to make you – and you're going to perform to these people with no mic oh, um, that have already said they don't want to see comedy. <laughs> You're going to perform to them one at a time, and then wow. so he took them. He took the lineup back there one at a time, and it got, I think it got like two or three people in before those four people just left the venue. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I can imagine because like, oh Jesus! Like so most like, of the time, that- yeah, most of the time when you go out to actively see art, you're like, I am understanding what I'm getting myself into tonight. This is the complete opposite. Yeah, nobody's enjoying that night. No. no, none of the people involved are happy. So, like, this, yeah, this nights like that where you go, I don't know why I'm in comedy. 
And that but all no, of those feelings can happen in one evening for you too, which I think is just like astonishing. It's quite an interesting thing about comedy that doesn't happen in a lot of other art forms where you can do like four gigs a night and have wildly different experiences at each one. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's that thing where I just, like, I suppose in a, in a way it's like the best case scenarios that you ha- like have, have these four sets and not necessarily that they all go well, but that you get something out of each of them. Mm. Cause it's like, you want to keep, you want to keep turning over material and developing jokes and almost and developing new skills. Like I'm, I'm coming up on I think almost 10 years in comedy now, wow. but like it's, it's still a, it's still something where I'm, you know, I'm in very active development and sort of, you almost want to, you want to be in like actively developing your skills and getting better until you die, I suppose. Until <laughs> <Like, laughs> so you keel over. Yeah, I mean, it is that thing where there's, there's nothing sadder than like, um, than you know, when you you see like a famous comedian and it's like, oh, they started to get worse, you know? Like, yeah. it's like, it might take them 20, 30 years where they kept progressing and then at some point they start to get worse and it's almost like, oh, you should just stop doing it because now you're making everyone sad. <laughs> <laughs> you got but, people yeah. yelling out like um, to do past bits and that's when you know that you've just lost it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it is it is uh, it's great. I mean, I love – that's part of why – like I don't, I usually do Edinburgh every year. I didn't go this year mm. and I was, very sad. I was very sad about it, but I was looking at the spreadsheet for just – Earnings versus cost. Like, there's no way yeah. it's going to work this year. Mm-hmm. But God, it's pretty much the same back. earnings cost just to fly back to Western Australia from the Eastern States right now. Oh, it's brutal. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I just flew back for a wedding with with my partner, and um, uh, yeah, we both had to spend so much on flights. It was crazy. Like, I booked all these. I booked a bunch of gigs in to to sort of cover the flights, mm. but. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty wild. Yeah, it, it is actually genuinely a similar price to fly to the UK. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's getting really, really wild. Um, you mentioned a beginning your career here in Western Australia. Can you tell us a little bit about like that where you started out here? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I started, I think, maybe the beginning of 2013. Mm. Um, so I, I like loved comedy like forever, like growing up. And then like, you know, just watch things online and stuff. I'd never seen live comedy and I didn't know there was live comedy in Perth. Mm-hmm. Um, and like now, like now the scene is quite uh, vibrant and large. But like when I started, there was like, like one, there was like one re- like weekly open mic that ran and that was pretty much the only place you could get up. But um, like I, I went on exchange to the, to the US for a year, mm. like when I was still, you know, when I was still at university. Yeah. And then, um, like I, I was in the, I was in North Carolina, uh, which is not a cool place. <laughs> um, no, yep. <laughs> yeah, better than South Carolina. They're very quick to tell you, but it's like, all right, still <laughs> not good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know, yeah, people there were incredibly religious. And so, yep. um, it, it wasn't like a super fun place to be. And so I sort of decided to be like, well, all right. Uh, maybe I'll just stop going to classes. And then I went to New York and I just like met a girl and like stayed in her apartment for three months, which was too long for her. But <laughs> <laughs> Too long for most people. We'll be like, hi, hello, are you yeah, going to go see the sun? She was like, 
yeah, and then she was like, oh, this is cool, this Australian. And then eventually she was like, could you leave? <laughs> Hi. Hi. We also have grass outside and the sky outside. If you could just go look at that for a minute, that'd be so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she locked the door behind me and stuff. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, hey, it's free, it's free accommodation in New York. What am that's I it, not, that's it. Not saying over my welcome. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I went to New York for basically three months and um, – then I started going to the Comedy Cellar, which is like a, you know, it's a famous club that I, you know, had seen depicted in TV and film and stuff, right? And so I started going there, like, pretty much every day. I would go to the Comedy Cellar and, 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 and watch, like, world-class comedians, people mm. that were, that I, that I had been fans of, people I hadn't heard of that, were, that I now know who they are because, yep. you know, they just hadn't broken yet. Um, and I, you know, watched that, like, many, many times. Um, and then I also met someone who was like an open market who was just like starting out. And that for me was the sort of the linchpin moment where mm. I went, Oh, I, Oh, you can start and be bad. Yes. And yep. that was something I didn't realize consciously. It's just, I was the same with science. I used to be a research scientist where until I met someone who was studying science, who was like, I don't know that you're that smart. <laughs> I sort of went, Oh, I'm not that smart. Maybe I could do it also, you know, like it was just, it was just that thing where it demystified it for me. And so I immediately then started like working on a set and like many people before they ever get up on stage who were comedy fans, thought I knew everything about it. And I thought I had an hour. (laughs) And then when I got back to (laughs) Perth and like did my first open mic slide, I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I was doing five minutes. I think you should give me an hour because I'm obviously going to be great. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm very embarrassed about whatever I did in my first set. And honestly, my first year was pretty. <laughs> I think pretty. that's the rules, though, isn't it? Like you yeah. have to sort of hate whatever you initially did so that you can improve in arts and in science, I'm sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think if you're not, yeah, if you don't look back on stuff you did and feel at least a little bit embarrassed, then you've probably <laughs> gotten better. Yeah, totally. But also, like, yeah, what, when I started, I mean, I was, yeah, I was watching a lot of Anthony Jeselnik and, I was just doing some very edgelordy material. <laughs> <laughs> in like, it's such a uh, it's it's such a common uh, you know sort of error that that brand new uh, especially dude comedians mm. make uh, right at the beginning is when you you you're you're going for like shock reactions because that's at least a reaction. Ah, uh, yes, um, good point. And I and I don't know that people are consciously deciding that. I think it's almost it's almost just like you're flailing around for anything, you know. And then um, it is that thing where I'm still a, a very dirty comedian, but um, now there's you know there's people aren't being just deliberately discomforted. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, your number oh, one actually, goal. People are having fun now which is cool (laughs) (laughs) well I think about like what we put on early morning radio that I grew up with and it's kind of the same vibe where it's just like let's say the most awful thing I can possibly think of just to get phone calls because that'll fill the three-hour void from six to nine a.m in the morning and I think that definitely (laughs) filtered into our comedy yeah sure I can totally see that um but yeah it was was that thing like one year in so like I I think I maybe got up like 12 or 14 times in the first year in Perth Mm. so which is like as I said last night, it's four spots in the night, right? Yeah. But and that was the, that was the most I could get. There was like one gig that ran weekly that you could get on maybe once every two months or something. Mm-hmm. There was a, I think there was another show you you'd be lucky to get on once a year. It was like the the the, the open mic that I started like at, at Shapiro uh, Shapiro Tuesdays, which is 
the venue's still around, but the, the, the gig is not around anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, it was an incredible room, right? Uh, it's a beautifully built, it's a, it's a purpose-built room for comedy, so it's long, low, uh, low ceilings, and like all the laughs are channeled in, and it's just, it's you know, what, what you call like a kill box, because it's just like you, you walk out, and then it's purpose-built for comedy, and it's almost impossible to fail. Ah, and it is, okay. this, it is this thing where that's the problem when you're starting out. <laughs> that the audience is so good yeah. that they're doing the pause breaks for premises and stuff, and then you go, wow, I'm the best comedian in the world. <laughs> and, then, and then in Perth as well, like it's, this is probably still the case now, it's like you start getting paid really early, which mm. that's another thing. You don't want to start thinking you're incredible because then you'll be bad. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, it is that thing where... Partly, I think, you know, in a, in a way, it was great to start in that environment. And then in a way, it was, was terrible in a way, you know, because it's the isolation. And again, all this stuff is better now in, in, from Perth, right? Because more people come from overseas. Mm. Um, there's way more gigs, different gigs. There's, there's, there's gigs there that are bad, you know, like yeah. at the time, there was, only, there was only good gigs. And so, yeah, you start out, you go, yeah, I'm incredible. And you're starting paid. So you go, oh, wow, I'm a pro six months in. This is pretty cool. And then, <laughs> Man, that first the first time I performed, like I, I went to Melbourne the first time I performed interstate, and yeah, the first gig was yeah in a basement to three people that were like scattered around this basement, and uh, I just you know I had a mental breakdown on stage. You know, I was <laughs> I was yelling about. I think I was trying to get a laugh off how bad it was going. I suppose, but mm. um, there was there was this uh, sort of this independent reviewer. Um, I think his Twitter handle like hugging comedians or something. Oh no! So three um, people in the room and one of them is an reviewer. Great. Yeah, and also it's like it's I'm you know two or three years in. It's my first ever set interstate. Um, I, I've been booked for like a week again in, in Melbourne, but this was like the first one, and I now know it was the worst one I was booked for. Yeah. Um, but at the time I was just like, oh no, this is what it's going to be all week, you know. And so it was this thing where it completely bombed. Um, and I was sort of shouting about how, you know, they, they, oh, they told me in Perth, no one would laugh in Melbourne if I said this, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then the, they, this guy put the review, put a review up on Twitter, did not name me, which was nice. Oh, that's kind. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I only found it like six months later and then I went, oh, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, just, oh, this, you know, this person's, you know, really out of there depth and uh, maybe they should, you know, write better jokes and come here and just scream about how their jokes aren't working and mm. blah, blah, blah. Um, but, yeah, it was this thing where it really helped me to do that. And in, in general, what, like, what <laughs> what often happens, I think, with, um, you know, people who start out in Perth is they'll go into state, they'll have a hard time of it for the mm. first week, and then they'll either move back to Perth and never leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or they move over east or, or internationally where it is harder, but you sort of, you grow more because of it. Yeah. And yeah, so that, that is, you know, that's so much of the reason that I moved is, is originally the plan was to move from Perth to New York with my, with my fiance. Mm. Um, but then Trump got elected and she went oh, like, no, it's going to be crazy over there. <laughs> yeah, and fair said, enough. And I well, no, I said, like, baby, you're nuts. Like, what, what kind of, the president's a figurehead. What kind of power does he have? And, like, that's not going to change anything. And, like, she was totally right. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. now, that's, yeah. like, a failed state now, and it's no good. And I'm yeah. glad we don't live there. 
Yeah, I'm glad but, you don't live there too. Good job on that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we wouldn't be talking that because I would have been shot seven times. So, yeah, like, minimum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a great place. But I will say still for comedy, it's the best place. But in terms of building a life together, you know, like I think um, there, there aren't a lot of, you know, very long-term relationships in comedy. Like most stand-ups, uh, it's a difficult industry mm. to maintain a long-term relationship. Being away a lot is hard. Not making that much money, but also working really hard at it, is a hard thing to explain to a partner sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. WA FIFO workers and comedians living the same life. <laughs> yeah, but at least they get paid for it. You know, 100%, like, yeah. 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 I'm going to go away like, for oh, six gonna... months, and I might come back with 150 bucks. <laughs> yeah, I might come back and have to borrow money from you. Is like, <laughs> hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to this festival and I'll lose seven grand. Is that cool? <laughs> But it's really yeah, important it's, that I do this. And if I don't continue to make new content it, and create a new festival show every year, then I won't even mm-hmm. be able to lose seven grand anymore. Yeah. 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 Then I'll have to quit and get a real job. And you don't <laughs> want that, right? You don't want me to be able to pay my half of the rent every month, definitely. You don't want that. No, you love um, this unpredictability that is me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> But yeah, I've been, I'm very, very lucky. Like it's, it's, I have a very understanding partner, but also, you know, we, we definitely had rough, rough patches because of it. When I started doing, cause like, cause we stayed in Perth for a bit longer than I initially planned. Mm. Cause again, it was a smaller scene. It's much bigger now. And I still think it's, you know, it's always good to move to bigger things. But, um, you know, when I started, it was so, so small. Yeah. And so we, I was going to, I was going to move away like pretty early. But we had this conversation where, where she got this great career opportunity in Perth and we sort of went, well, if I move and without you and then we do a long distance thing, like they don't work out, so we're not breaking up. Mm-hmm. And then if you turn down this big career opportunity and then move with me so that I can be an open mic comedian in Melbourne, you'll resent me and then we'll end up breaking up. <laughs> and then yeah. if I stay and then just, stay in this tiny scene and, and stop growing and also like I started comedy late so it's like there is a clock on it you know in terms of like becoming relevant and good you yeah. know before you age, age out of people who go to comedy market um so then if I just stay here and, and you know essentially that would mean like I, you know I can never really turn this into a career I'll resent you and we'll break up and so I we sort of came to this strange agreement where her, her income was going to go up 20 grand mm. And so she underwrote me ten grand that year to go and do tour, like go and do festivals. Amazing, yeah, that's really Which, cool. Well, it was I was very lucky, and I'm glad we came to that because like we're still together now, and like, mm. and you know, it's the best relationship I've ever been in. And uh, but that year was a really challenging. Yeah, that was the first time I went away for a really long time. Like mm. I think I probably spent like six months away of the yeah. year, easy five, maybe six. I did Edinburgh that year. I like I did. Earth Fringe, Adelaide Fringe, Melbourne Comedy Festival. Uh, I think I then also did Perth Comedy Festival, Sydney Comedy Festival, and the Edinburgh Fringe. And uh, that year I lost 16 grand, mm. uh, which for yeah, anyone keeping count, it's six more than I was supposed to lose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were allowed to lose 10. <laughs> but yeah, which is a lot. Yeah, it's a heap of money. <laughs> But yeah, it turned out to be 16 and it was this thing where, you know, it's a huge learning curve for festivals. You know, there's, course, there's, yeah. so much that, there's so much that goes into them. And particularly when you're, you know, going to places you've never been, it's like, you know, you end up paying 
too much for flights and too much for accommodation and you don't have the right venues to mm. try and get into and, and, and just all the associated costs. You know, it was, it was way more than I was planning to lose or wanted to. And definitely, and being away for six months, that was so hard for us just, even if it, without the money situation, like mm. having six level. months. Yeah. Yeah. Six months apart is, is rough. It's, yeah. it's a really difficult thing for a relationship, you know? And so like one of her good friends was like, you need to break up with this dude. And I was like, they've got a point, but please don't. <laughs> please don't do this, but also valid. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Um, but yeah, so in, I mean, the year after, you know, so sort of at the end of that year, we had a very hard conversation and she went, all right, I'm not going to give you any more money. And I went, that's mm. very fair. Um, but I did all the same festivals the next year and I broke even. Wow, and that's a huge is, swing back in your direction. Exactly, right? And then I was like, baby, look, I did 16 grand better. And she went, okay, but did you make any money? I went, well, no, but I didn't lose. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that covers, you know, flights, accommodation, everything, all the overheads, you know, yeah. and, I, and I broke even on everything. And then the year after that, I made money. And since then, like, I've, I've paid down the 16 grand. I paid it all back to a um, out of comedy earnings, which wow. uh, I used to I used to talk about it on stage, like I mean, because I'm sort of very sort of uh, I suppose confessional in my stand up, mm. and, and in general, all the stuff I say is true. And so I used to talk about how I had a sixteen grand on stage, and which does not put an audience on your side. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hi everyone, thank you so much for paying fifteen dollars to come to my show. I owe my girlfriend a sixteen grand, so if we could just pass the yeah. hat around like we do at church, let's go. It used to be part of my bucket speech. Yeah, and then Edinburgh, it was part of the bucket speech for two years of, hey, whether it, like, this is a pay what you want show, mm. whether or not you feel like I deserve your money, every every pound <laughs> you give me is going to go directly to Nicole, and she could really use with catching a break. And <laughs> I'll tell you, when I started incorporating that into the bucket speech, those donations tripled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, quick, give her this money back so she can leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably part of it. Queer, far, wherever you are, your perfect late night offering of glamorously gay song is here. In a fringe world premiere event, the Queer Piano Bar is here to delight and captivate in a genre blending masterclass of song, accompanied by Premier Perth piano talent Gavin Nicolet. For four nights only this February, you can get your tickets through the Fringe World app or website. Sing the night away with a glamorous lineup of award winning and critically acclaimed vocal talent from the best the festival has to offer. Yeah, she's definitely a very sympathetic figure in my stand-up. You know, a, a lot of my material is about our relationship. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was this, it is this thing where it's been really nice. This is why we do this, uh, we've had this podcast together for, like, the last year or so. It's really nice to, you know, formally collaborate on yeah. a creative thing together because uh, we were sort of informally doing it for a long time. She's very funny. She could be a very talented comedian if she wanted to, but she had no interest in it. And so what that means is I get two writers, you know. (laughs) For sure. And you're talking obviously about the Tiny Vet podcast. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Oh, yeah. Um, So it's – so she's she's an exotic veterinarian. And so for a number of years, maybe seven or eight years, like like that was her primary job where she would just, you know, go in and and be be a vet. Um, and, uh, initially she started out working with exotics. That's anything that's not 
cats and dogs mm. and that people would have them because birds are just odd things. A lot of that medicine is like made up where you've got to just be like, all right, nobody knows how to treat this thing and oh let's just God. work it out. Yeah. So it's actually yeah, it's very challenging stuff. Um, but then when we moved to Melbourne, she started working for a clinic called the Rabbit Doctors. And so they only do rabbits. And <laughs> yeah. um, so like uh, she's also loved rabbits as a child at one point. She had 50 rabbits concurrently Jesus, five zero, okay. which her mother told me and then she went it wasn't 50 and i was like oh i reckon because you're a child and she was the adult i reckon she's probably right about that she's like no 50 is a huge exaggeration i never had 50 rabbits as a, as a child i went okay how many did you have concurrently she went 41 <laughs> yeah and mom's which like no i'm the one who washed them i know <laughs> Yeah, which is basically 50. And so yeah. like, I don't think she needs to make such a big deal about it. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so but then over the course of sort of the pandemic and stuff, when we had our big lockdowns, um, she was still working, but, you know, she didn't know if her job would go away. Mm. And obviously mine did, right? And then JobKeeper came yes. in and I made more than I'd ever made. <laughs> um, but I just went crazy in my apartment while making it. But like, um, so, but she didn't know necessarily if, if you know she would continue to be considered a you know a, a, a necessary worker or whatever. Mm. And so she started to sort of diversify into these other areas. So one of the things she is working on, she's part of a startup company who um, they, they're making like a pet nutrition app. Yeah. So it's like uh, you know if you uh, want to see if, if certain foods are good for your animals or or you know to to do diet plans or whatever. Um, so, but that company was like, oh, they, they got to know me because like they'd always be talking over Zoom and I'd be in the background just being a goose. Um, <laughs> yep. and, and then they were like, oh, we, we, we're looking for investors and we sort of want to have something to, um, I guess, you know, sort of get, get our app known a bit more and mm. get a bit more of a footprint online or whatever. And they said, oh, what would be great is that we could do a, a podcast. Oh, um, Nicole, your partner um, has done podcasts in the past. Would he be interested in, in, in sort of collaborating on one? Mm. And so they sort of they sort of hired me to come in and go, all right, well, here's how podcasts work. Yeah. Um, and so we sort of talked about it and conceptualized it. And I like I sort of know, I know all sort of the back end stuff and how to produce it and how to edit it from doing previous podcasts. Um, but then in the end, we sort of decided, well, if it's going to be sort of a pet advice podcast, It'll be very dry if it's just you talking to the void and just go, and just <laughs> just say like here's some stuff and also it's like um, you know it's 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 a it's a job with a lot of very sort of specific expertise yeah. where I was like it'd be good if you had a layman on that you can just say the <laughs> talk say the stuff to because otherwise mm-hmm. it's like complicated sometimes you know you just say stuff where it's like what does that even mean yeah you, you know, need that person who's right comfortable now. to ask the questions and like not feel stupid about them yeah yeah i mean i'm yeah i'm stupid but like it's i'm cool with it um <laughs> and, and so yeah so more or less we sort of went okay why don't we why don't we do it together and we're both um big fans of a podcast called the dollop which is uh a history gareth podcast reynolds. yes with uh, yeah. dave anthony and gareth reynolds one of my absolute favorite podcasts yep <laughs> Oh yeah, so I'm good friends with those guys, right? Like, okay. um, they they came to they well, the first time they came to Perth, like, because I ran like a weekly uh, open mic for for years in Perth when I was there. Um, so the first time they came, Dave Anthony emailed me, and I, I at the time I didn't know who he was, and oh he was just like, God. "Hey, 
hey, we're coming to Perth and we're looking for venues, you know, like, hey, someone gave me your name. Um, would we be able to use your venue for the show? And I, and I was, and I like looked him up and I went, oh, this guy's like a really legitimate comedian. And I went and like bought his, I bought his album. I went, this is hilarious. Yeah. And I listened to his podcast and I'm like, oh my God, this guy's emailing me, you know, like now I'm just, now I'm, was so cool. But yeah, I know the fangirling like, happened I, afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Initially I was like, what is this spam email? You yeah. Know? Um, but then I was like, oh, absolutely, you no know, worries, you know. And so, like, you know, I didn't, like, run the venue or whatever, but I just talked to them and I said, hey, these guys are coming. They have a big following and stuff. Like, it's a, it was a 100-seater. And mm. I was like, oh, they, they want it for two nights. Can we give it to them? They'll fill the room. And they went, yeah, sure, no worries. And, like, we won't, we won't charge them right. And then so they booked them in. They booked in to do the shows. And then they sold them out, like, immediately. Yeah. And then... They so then they went. Hey, we need to move one of these nights to like a bigger room, but we'll still do one night there. Um, so then they ended up doing that, and uh, I think the Civic Hotel is like Grand Theater. But mm. yeah, they ended up coming over, and, and we did like a sh- we did a stand up show after the first record, um, and then Gareth headlined it. Of and course, yeah. yeah, we like we like hung out, and we got photos, and all that kind of stuff. And now whenever they come through, like uh, you know, they'll, they'll give me free tickets, and we'll have it, and we'll have a hang and stuff. And, I'll smoke food with Gareth, of course. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so Nicole's a big fan of those, uh, a big fan of those guys. Like she's met them and stuff as well. And so that's sort of what we sort of talked about as a, as a, I guess like an idea, like I'll be the, you know, sort of the, not as funny, but I'll be the Gareth Reynolds to her name, Anthony, <laughs> where, you know, she's, she's there to get through some stuff and I'm there to goof off and sort of interrupt, you know? And yeah. so we do it like, it's <laughs> about all different topics in, Sort of vet medicine and pet health and stuff, and um, so yeah. Then then I co-host it. It's a very fun thing because I edit it as well, and mm. I, it was so I've been editing it for a year, and it's a nice thing when I'm away. So I edit it while I'm away, and it's like we're hanging out again, which is yeah. I mean a, l- a little bit saccharine maybe, but <laughs> but it's nice. <laughs> like because it's a it's a fun podcast to record. Like even doing the sound check and stuff is always real. Like it's when I'm listening back to it, I'm like, oh man, this is so funny, but it's got to be a PG podcast. So it's like, I can't put any of this in. Um, <laughs> but it's genuinely like, yeah, enjoyable to collaborate together. That's incredible. And do you, so with your fantastic fiance doing this podcast and her having this like niche market of uh, rabbits and bunnies, does that have anything to do with Bun Runner, the musical that you're bringing to Virtual 2023 <laughs> by any chance? Yeah, it has a lot to do with it. It also, I think, is one of the weirdest ideas for a show I've ever heard of. It's but, the best um, title. I'm so excited about it. Now that I know every uh, all of this backstory, I'm like, explain this to me immediately. Yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's odd. Um, yeah, that, so it's a it's a yeah, choose your, it's a choose your own adventure multimedia solo <laughs> comedy musical. Uh, That's so good. Starring a bunch of anthropomorphized bunny rabbits. Great. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's odd. It's set in the 1960s. Um, these rabbits are involved in the MK Ultra experiments and then they all get like the ability to talk and then they, uh, they break out and then there's a whole plot storyline. And uh, like I hired an artist to do a bunch of um, sort of artist renditions of, of uh, these specific like real rabbits. Um, and then uh, I've, spent a long time learning how to very like sort of badly animate and um 
and learn how to be a musician, which I'm not. <laughs> oh, just um, casually learn how to be a musician. My ears have entirely spiked up at that. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it was a long lockdown in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I will definitely give you that. I'm sure if I'd bothered, I could have learnt the ukulele myself. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean yeah, I'm not gonna say I'm any kind of expert, but I mean it it has been something where I was I was I've been I've been toying with doing um music and stand up for a long time. Like yeah. I used to have like a loop a loop machine and stuff. And generally with a festival show I'd like you know, it'd be sort of forty seven minutes of stand up and then I would just do like a song, right? But it would mm. be like an original uh, an original song, not uh, not a famous song whose lyrics I changed. <laughs> think it's very annoying when I see it because it always goes great and I'm like this is so much easier than if you had to make this song (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is (laughs) but um but yeah so it was something I'd I'd been toying with and and sort of developing a little and then I actually initially sort of staged a version of this in uh, the year 2020 in Perth um, but at the time, I sort of had this vague idea of what it would be, mm. uh, and I and I sort of, I think partly, I just sort of thought, oh, okay, so I'm going to have a, a photo of a rabbit up on here, and like all the have the drawing of the rabbit up on here, and you know, it'll just be the the, the jumping off point for a song, and the whole thing will be just songs, you know, from just beginning to end. Mm. Um, but then when I was preparing the show, I sort of went, oh, this needs like a storyline, you know, like there needs to be some investment in here. And, yeah. and so it, it can't just be like, here's a drawing of a rabbit I paid someone to make. And then here's a song about that. It's like, that doesn't make any sense to have that at the show. Here's two things and, with a veiled like link between them, which is what all good comedy is, but that would just be like probably a bridge too far for so many people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is hundred percent that where it's like in my head, it makes sense somehow but like it didn't <laughs> it didn't like I sort of like put it on like before the, the first show but like I just sort of like did it for a friend and he went I don't understand what this is and I was like I don't know that I do either you know like uh <laughs> but it's it's opening in a week so I gotta work it out yeah <laughs> so, I'm gonna make this happen let's go <laughs> but then yeah I ended up doing like I sort of uh the initial sort of I guess premise for the show was it was um sort of a, a satire of um Oh, what was that Leonardo DiCaprio movie where he was like pretending to be all the different? Uh, oh, God, I forget his name now. Um, it was uh, so Leonardo DiCaprio um, is it's in like the sixties and he's like stealing all these identities and stuff and like traveling around the world. Whatever the, that movie is, um, it was basically that right where. Um, I did, I stayed the first show. I think I did like four performances or five. Wait, maybe. do you mean Catch Me If You Can, the 2002 uh, drama crime that I might have just Googled right now? <laughs> Sick. Thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, Catch Me If You Can. Um, and so it was sort of the, this idea of like, oh, oh okay, so these rabbits are the, uh, they were the, because that's based on a true story. Mm. These rabbits were the true story it was based on. So uh... they all, travel around the world, it steals identities and blah, blah, blah. Um, it, 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 listen, the first couple of shows um, that I put on in 2020 for these, um, I apologise to the audience at the end of both. <laughs> <laughs> we love honesty. That's so good. <laughs> there was something to it, but it was definitely not. It was like it was not billed as a work-in-progress show because it's like I had never uh, written a interactive also, it was not Choose Your Own Adventure at that point, although I mm. think it was. 
I think it, I had already put that in the show description because you got to write your show description six months out. Oh, totally, yeah. And so I was like, oh, yeah, this show will totally be done, you know, I thought. And then I got to the festival and it's like, oh, no. And so then the first two, I think I apologized at the end of it. And then the next two or three, as people came in, I, I would be just like, hey, this show's not done and, you know, this is going to be a work in progress thing. And I know that wasn't in the show guide or anything. And if you want to refund, that's fine. But please come and enjoy it. And mm. I think it was better to frame it. was be- much better to frame it that way. Yeah, so, enjoy it for what um, it is. Yeah. And also, like, then we were doing, like, Q&As at the end and stuff. I'm like, how do you think the show should go? And it's like, <laughs> does, does this make any sense? So, uh, basically, Bun Runner, the new edition of Bun Runner, is written by rooms of people in Perth who gave feedback from the first run of it. <laughs> And the people from the second run, which I do at Melbourne Comedy Festival 2021, uh, which, again, I was like, all right, now it's because I worked on it during the pandemic Mm. uh, in all the lockdowns and stuff, right? And then I staged it for Melbourne Comedy Festival 2021. And now, again, you got to write it six months out, (laughs) like the show description. And I was like, well, this time it'll be done. And then (laughs) every time I would go to work on it, it would keep expanding in scope. Of you course, know, like, yeah. you know, go, oh, I could, I could do this. I could do that. It still kept, it kept being 50 minutes, but it's like the amount of content from, you know, Perth Fringe 2020 to Melbourne Comedy Festival 2021, you know, was pro- probably tripled, you know, like the mm. density of material. Um, and then also I like started being like, oh, I want a bunch of things to be fully animated. So then I need to learn how to animate. And then um, I, then it became like an actual choose your own adventure thing, you know? So, so now it's like, okay, I've got to write, eight versions of the show based on people's decisions because every yeah. time they make a decision, it splits. Well, let, can I dive line. into that for like just a quick second? Let me be the fourth-rate <laughs> Gareth Reynolds to your Dave Anthony for just one <laughs> moment. Um, sure. How on earth does a choose-your-own-adventure-style production work at Fringe? Like explain that to us. Like what does an audience do in terms of their participation? So the way I structured it is there's um, – there's three what I would call like inflection points in the show mm-hmm. where um, the audience, like someone in the audience will decide um, which of these two rabbit plot lines we're going to go down. So the rabbits are scattered all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're basically people, right? So they're all anthropomorphized, right? So yeah. they're, they're scattered all over the world. And then uh, the audience will choose, hey, do we go to see uh, this rabbit Carl in Cuba or do we go and see uh, this uh, this other rabbit, uh, Dusty, in Vietnam, mm, right? And okay. so based, based on their choice, uh, which I sort of uh, uh, I animated it as like the sort of the Street Fighter, Choose Your Fighter thing with like sound effects and stuff that yeah. I had to make from scratch. This is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds really hard. <laughs> Everything about this is way more hard than it uh, yeah, having having worked on just straight stand-up for years, being like, this is so difficult, and then trying to make an original comedy musical that's fully animated, I was like, yeah. stand-up's pretty easy compared to that. Yeah, actually. going from being like, I just need one microphone and a speaker to being like, I need a projection oh screen and I have all of these USBs. <laughs> yeah, 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 and a keyboard yep. and two laptops and a loop machine and a mixing desk and a vocoder. It's like, oh, yep. my God, it's so much work. It's and a for brand like, new 12 Days of Christmas sitting right there. <laughs> Yeah, and like, let, yeah, oh my God, it's a very, it's a very expensive <laughs> yeah. thing to undertake. And on top of that, people are like less excited to go to this show than the same media center. So it's like not even financially viable, you know? 
Yeah, so you're like, Jez Watts does a musical about rabbits and I have to be involved? Yeah, no. <laughs> it's so hard. Even trying to explain it to you in a long-form conversation is hard. Yeah. And, like, let alone <laughs> writing a description about it, that people are like, oh, yeah, I know what that is and want to come. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so based on the audience decision, they decide this, you know, these three points in the show. And then so initially it was going to be more, and then I realized, oh, every time they have a binary choice, that doubles the amount of work I have to do. Yeah. And also the audience won't see all the other content that we they get the choice to not see. So it's like for any given show, it's like, oh, good. I've put in seven times the amount of work. That yeah. gonna, I mean, I guess the, the positive there and probably the marketing selling point that I'm sure you could push is that you can buy multiple tickets to multiple nights and see a completely different show. Sure. <laughs> now that's, Definitely something I'll say once it's done. <laughs> once <laughs> once it's the whole done. show is good and they had a great time and I and half of the show was not be being like, hey, sorry, I didn't finish this part of the show. Um, <laughs> I'll definitely be like, hey, you can come back and see a different version of the show. Yeah. But the version I did at Melbourne Comedy Festival, um, there was still, like, because it, it just kept expanding its scope, you know? Mm. And so, like, it, there was still the stuff where by the end of that run, I think I did, like, maybe seven shows at Melbourne Comedy Festival 2021. So by the end of the run, I was working on it all throughout the festival and then also doing other you know, stand-up shows and whatnot. Um, but then from the beginning of the festival to the end of the festival, it again like increased in content by 200%. You know, like yeah. it was a crazy amount of extra material and density to the show. But still in that last show, I was like, hey, you can pick these two rabbits but probably don't pick this one because <laughs> I, I haven't actually got a song for that one yet and, uh, but yeah it still was not completely done and, and then it as like sort of the uh, there's like a, a big jailbreak thing that's sort of the crescendo of the show um where i where I, at that point i was like hey this is not fully done and uh like there was sort of the epilogue was done properly but then i guess the, the big crescendo of the show was not really finished but it is that it is the thing where it's like I'm not going to have three festivals where it's a work in progress. No way. Right. It's that gonna was going to be, be my next question. Is it's it done for 2023? <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's so close to being done now. But, yeah, it's going to be properly done. I suppose in a way it will never be done, but it's going to be a properly coherent show where I don't think anyone <laughs> will feel shortchanged. <laughs> Well, that's with this, goal, with right? this um, that's an amazing tagline. Is like, <laughs> Bun Runner the musical, I promise it'll be done. <laughs> with all of that in mind, tell everybody where they can find this incredible show that has been honestly three years in the making minimum. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm doing, uh, I'm doing four shows at the Laugh Resort, at the Shoe Bar in, uh, in, the, uh, in Northbridge. Uh, and I'm also doing a show at the Balmoral Hotel at some point during Perth Fringe. I forget the date. Um, and then I probably will actually add a couple more, I reckon, uh, because it's been this thing where, um, yeah, like it's, I feel like there's, there was like a lot of like very strong competition for venues this year, but mm. then it seems like, it seems like a lot of venues sort of are not even done programming yet, which is so weird because it's like the, the shows are out and they're on sale. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I probably will end up adding a couple more uh, during, during Perth French. But uh, yeah, it's, I think it'll be a, a really fun thing worth seeing. I'm doing the other stand-up also, which will be good. But um, yeah, Bun Runner, it's, uh, 
man, I've put a lot of work into this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, completely. And I'm, I'll make sure that all of your show dates are in the show notes. So if you're interested in seeing Bun Runner the musical or the solo stand-up stuff, but, I mean, personally, I'm going to be seeing Bun Runner, um, just scroll down oh, yeah, into the sure. show notes I, and make sure that you grab yourself a ticket to that. What about um, social media platform plugs and all that good stuff, especially for yourself, but also the incredible podcast you do with Nicole? Oh sure. Um, so it's uh, it's Jez Watts comedy on all the different platforms, which is uh, J E Z W A T T S comedy, uh, and the podcast is called the Tiny Vet Podcast. Um, there's links to that stuff on my link tree. So it's link tree slash Jez Watts. We'll have links to all the individual stuff. So stand up and uh, the podcast and and all that good jazz. <laughs> yeah, we love a good link tree. <laughs> yeah, my link tree is sick. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally it. All right. So um, I can't thank you enough, Jez, for uh, battling the time zones with me today and my poor time management in getting into the studio on time and joining me for this episode. It's been an absolute treat. I've had a really good time. Oh, no problems at all. Thank you so much for having me. Remember, everyone, if you like this podcast, you can like us across social media, rate and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app, or send us a question to waexposepod at gmail.com, and we'll ask our next incredible guest. Thank you, Jez, for joining me, and thank you, everyone, for listening to WA Expose. WA Expose is an independent production. Our artwork was created by Georgia Sassenfeld and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M. Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlett.com forward slash WA Expose. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.